Alrighty, here we go. It's the Real Thing Patriots podcast. I'm Matt Chatham. Let's uh, take this thing a little different way than what we typically do. Uh, you know, in a normal week, obviously, throughout this season, it's been really one of two things. We'll do sort of a post-game show, wrap-up, either the good things that happen in a win or the bad things that need to be fixed in a loss. It's been a little of both throughout the year. A couple times this year, though, we have done end-of-week shows where we sort of preview the upcoming opponent. And uh, frankly, because of the way last week's game went, uh, I was sort of set out here to do a a, a Bills preview uh, show for you guys. But uh, I think that it becomes sort of a bit of a back burner issue here. I, I can briefly touch on it towards the end of the show in about five minutes' time. Um, what, what you'll expect from this Bills game from my film study on that. But I didn't want to make this a wire-to-wire Bills show. I, I know it's an opponent you've seen before uh, as a fan, you know, having seen them the, the other time, obviously in the absence of Josh Allen and and a, a new wide receiver or two, and maybe a, a change in the backfield. But it, it's a team that you know I don't want to run right through the same thing again. And just real interest there for uh, what you guys want to hear about and talk about. But um, I thought what really helped sort of push what this show should be about is because of the little mini bomb that went off in the middle of the week on Thursday with Josh Gordon being uh, suspended indefinitely now and now now being a part of the team. Uh, you know we got to. You, I think the, the the number one front burner question becomes, well, what's the offense look like in the absence of that? And I can understand a certain amount of panic that might come with it. I can certain amount certainly understand a certain amount of, uh, uh, you know, sort of guesses about what that means. And uh, I don't want to be a part of that where I go, you know, I've got all my Nesson shows and uh, the stuff we do with KSP, with Craft Sports Production people, with uh, Zoe, the Patriots this week, and then my podcast with y'all and my writing for The Athletic and all that stuff. i got to go in a lot of different venues, the pregame chat that we do uh, for Nesson. Uh, and, and I didn't want to go on the air and repeat a lot of the things that you hear. Now, let me go through the list because I think, and what I mean by a lot of the things you hear, a lot of things you hear when a guy like Josh Gordon, an extremely talented wide receiver, a good player, someone who's been productive in the games that he was here for the Patriots, someone we've been sort of pom-poming throughout his season about the growth that he'd made, how quickly he picked it up, how incredibly dynamic he is once you get the ball in his hands. He's smooth, man. So, you know, none of those things are now now magically not true. Those were all true right up until that point. But I think what often happens in moments like this when you take that away and you immediately have to react or try to figure out what might happen from it you really really got to go back and and with a fine-tooth comb go through and figure out what would actually uh, tangibly be different in the absence of that guy and it's uh i was a little bit surprised you know because he, let me go through the list so the list is this is what you usually hear you have a tall big receiver who, who who's a, a great athlete who's who's caught a lot of balls for a team who's uh i would never call him the focal point of the offense necessarily there's a game or two in those 11 where you could sort of say that well there was the one where he was highly targeted and and they lost I believe that was a titans game but by and large, uh, just because that's what the New England offense is these days, there isn't a focal point. There isn't a guy. You know, this is not, you know, say the Saints were to lose Michael Thomas uh, for a week, and maybe that's not the best example. We'll get we'll get to some Saints talk later. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, what would be an example out there? Todd Gurley's gone with the Rams. I mean, that, that fundamentally changes what they try to do because most of the stuff goes through their pass catching back. and you know, He runs on the ground. He gets ground yards as well. Um, but you know, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey gone would be a little bit like Gronk gone a year or two ago or whatever it would be. Uh, but there aren't a lot of off, there aren't a lot of situations like new England where sort of the ball is spread so much like, 
uh, Gordon's n- net numbers or his gross numbers, I guess, are over over anyone else's on the team at this point. But that's because Julian Edelman lost four weeks, um, and Gronk's missed some games as well. But although he he wouldn't quite be there because his volumes haven't been as high as years past, but it's definitely not an offense where there was one guy and then, oh my gosh, you're going to have to change course because that one guy's gone. It's just not who they are. So I think that should help temper any any concerns or whatever that the Josh isn't there that somehow this offense now has an issue. I don't think it does. But again, uh, to my little circular point there, back to the list. This is the list you hear when you lose a guy like that and you don't research it. You'll hear, ooh, they lost their vertical threat. They lost their downfield guy. Uh, now without a vertical threat, now without a you know the go route guy or whatever uh that will they won't be able to stretch the field and if without them stretching the field um how will that change the you know the under coverage you know those coverages going to be packed around with the people because you don't have a stretch the field guy or a vertical guy who's no longer there that's one put that one sort of off to the side we'll we'll make a little note here the vertical guy absence that's one right vertical guy one of the other ones is just sort of uh, the idea that a guy like that that was purportedly a top guy must have, because that's just what I've learned about NFL football, must have been drawing extra coverage. He catches the most balls on this particular team by a, by a small margin, so he must have been drawing extra coverage. The top guy gets extra coverage, does he not? He gets doubled, or he gets a safety, or you know the things that we say that without checking every single player, checking half the plays, or even a quarter of the plays. Is that true? When you lose a guy like Josh Gordon, that's going to fundamentally change the coverage because he was drawing coverage, uh, you know, purportedly that he was drawing coverage, and now all these other guys who were be covered were being covered one way are now not going to be covered that way because player X is gone. Josh Gordon in this instance. Okay, that's another one. The uh, the changing of coverages, changing of coverages. Got it. Okay, notice. Now, another one, another one is just who Tom's going to target, you know, and that's, you know, oh, man, his top guy, you know, look down the box score, look down the stat sheet for the season. He's lost his top guy. Top guy is gone. Now, if top guy is gone, who Brady looks to, uh, oh, that's going to change. It's fundamentally going to change the offense. Top guy's not there. Top guy's not there. Now, if that's going to change his progressions now, all the plays are going to somehow work differently. He's not going to have the person he turns to most often. And uh, without top guy there, that's going to put other people in roles they otherwise weren't prior to that. They're going to somehow be now running different routes maybe or standing in different places or having different roles or something like that. So the vertical threat is gone. That's going to change how everything's picked up or whether there's safeties in certain locations or whatever. Uh, And uh, the coverages themselves are going to fundamentally fundamentally change because he's not out there. And top guy is gone. So that's going to affect the quarterback. Those are really the three that you kind of generally hear. And those are the three that, you know, are not things that are can be opinions, really. I mean, it's just, you can say that that's your opinion, but they're opinions that can be fact-checked. And that's really sort of the point of the show. Are those three general things, vertical guys gone, the coverages will change, and top guy's going to change the progressions and reads for the quarterback, and he'll be negatively affected. Are those things true, or are they not? And before I dive into the truthfulness of that, and if you can hear the, the snarknado that's coming behind that, all that snark that's in my voice as I talk about those, I think you suspect that 
maybe those three things aren't true, and we're going to go ahead and go walk through and prove that. Now, before I dive into the particulars of those three things, I want to make sure it's abundantly clear I'm not denigrating in any way the ability of Josh Gordon or the importance of the offense that he was here because, and here's the, here's the, court, here's the little twist, because he was dynamic once you got the ball in his hands. He is special uh, as far as you know, getting the off coverages, throwing the guy a slant, getting guys to sag, running and hitting them on digs. He did hit a few downfield balls, but uh, that really leads me into the first point. So we'll do the vertical thing. I don't think Josh, well, it's not a matter of whether I think it or not, the record uh, of the routes he ran successfully and the kinds of ways he was used within the offense really wasn't a vertical guy. It really wasn't. There's a few routes out there. There's a few downfield balls I hit on, absolutely. Uh, but is down in, down out, really ain't much about that. And I don't think other teams looked at him that way or really treated him that way. This wasn't go-route guy. This isn't really what I think we thought the dream was when you signed him over from Cleveland. You watched the same 20-play highlight deck that I did that the NFL sends around or something on YouTube or whatever it would be. Uh, that really wasn't what he did. He had the one big Hail Mary kind of play where he jumped over guys and made the downfield catch. Couple other post pattern deep dig stuff, but by and large, he was not extend from the formation, run a go route, and win on a fade guy. That's just not what he was. So the absence of him doesn't send you searching for one of those because that's not what you're replacing, logically, right? So you don't say, hey, Josh Gordon's gone. Oh, who's going to, they need to find another guy to stretch the field because he wasn't doing that. So uh, that's, I mean, that's just kind of the obvious thing to sort of get out here and flesh out before you go through this. Now, I say this again, uh, and, and this was a little bit surprising to me because I kind of expected a little bit because he's big and he's tall and he's extended and he's often in isolation situations. Isolation means, you know, you have a formation, maybe there's four eligible receivers out there or even just three, two are to one side and one's to the other, or three's to one side and one's to the other. Isolation is the guy that stands alone, right? So he is used in isolation quite a bit, even in the fullback stuff where you've got two backs in the backfield, only two wide receivers on the field, extended away from the tight inside. ISO him. He is that way a lot. So that is your ISO guy is no longer going to be him. Uh, and I think that's fair to say. But is it by virtue of vertical stuff? Were they getting, you know, split safeties? In other words, like cover two, or like two deep safeties, and you always had a safety over the top because of a fear of Josh running a go route and Tom targeting for a go route. It just really wasn't that much of that. And, and, and it's just sort of factually what's out there. So I don't think you have to replace a non-vertical guy with a fear of finding a vertical guy. That just, to me, doesn't make a ton of sense. You can go back here and study this offense where it's worked, where it hasn't, where the struggling points are now. It's not having that or not having that. That, that just that's outside the formula of what's actually going on. So if you go in here and, and dig through what Josh was really good at, it was getting off coverage, not for fear of you know press and stuff like or you know the, the fade, but for getting smoked at the line because he was a really good quick release guy. He won on slants that way. He won on short you know short in cuts, digs, crossing routes. Uh, he'd stretch some stuff, but honestly, some of his best field stretching plays were from the from the seams, from actually aligned inside at number two, not extended away from the formation. I was a little bit surprised at that, at least didn't recall it well, without particularly starting to to write this stuff down and take notes about this. Uh, so, you know, I, it's, it's a guy who's now not there that will have to be replaced, but 
it really isn't much about the vertical threat, non-vertical threat. Uh, that's just not that's just not what's there. What you're going to want to find if you're simply looking for a replication, you're not going to find the physicality. And I think that's the one thing that uh, that will be missed and isn't going to show up in the box score. Josh Gordon, when he was on the field, uh, blocked his ass off. And people are going, oh, I don't care about that. I just want to hear him. I only want to talk about receivers and the balls they catch. And that's the only part that matters to me. That's what shows up in the box score. Okay, cool. But, you know, go back and look at some of the biggest James White plays, even some of the Burkhead ones that have broken in the last couple of weeks. Uh, go look at some of Edelman's catch-and-run plays, even Gronk's plays. The guy downfield kicking ass is, is Josh Gordon, and, and he's, he's a really was a really physical downfield blocker. Now, I say that, and that's the area where I don't think phys- – Chris Hogan's a tall guy. He's a very willing blocker, likes to get in there and mix it up. He, he's not as physical as Josh. Just receivers aren't built like Josh is generally in the league. There aren't that many of them. So I, you're going to see a slight drop-off in the ability of a, of a wide receiver and an extended play hemming someone else up. That's, air quote, vertical. It's not changing the thing. But the downfield guy who's kicking the shit out of a defensive back and throwing him out of bounds or knocking him down or locking up on a safety on the second level, that's a downfield difference, Josh, no Josh, then you'll see. The only other body type that's comparable to him for that stuff is actually Corderell Patterson. And I could see that you know Corderell might be able to do a comparable job there. Philip Dorsett, willing, sticks his nose in there, loves to do it. But he's not as big and physical as Gordon. You're not going to have the same success rate there if you're out in front of plays relying upon the receiver to kill a guy to make it go 20 as opposed to 10 or something like that, right? So that's a very tangible, real difference. Josh not there versus Josh there. Now, if we go a little further in this thing and go down the list here, you know, the, the changing of coverages thing. This is the one that was most surprising to me because I could have very easily potentially fallen into this trap without checking myself of going on the air or writing a column or saying, without Josh there, attention is going to shift from where it was with him back to some other player you don't want it on. I think it's it's, a, it's one of those things, it's a football thing that people say. It's a football thing, though, that can be fact-checked that, although is occasionally true, oftentimes isn't. And that's the one I really wanted to check on. Now, in fairness, on this particular point, it absolutely was not consistent uh, as far as uniform approach A, B, and C. I just went back three games, so did the Vikes game, did the Dolphins game, did the Steelers game, and I just wanted to look at the kind of coverage that they were seeing and understanding it's three different defenses, de- defenses So, uh, though. So, yeah, you know, Mike Zimmer is going to have a different approach because of what he believes in, and he may be playing coverages based on he likes split safety or he likes more four or he likes to match a certain way with a certain player because he's got Harrison Smith, and that's just what they do. Uh, as opposed to they're doing it because, oh, there's Josh. So you have to always sort of understand that there's the, the motive isn't always the, you know, there, even though you may see the same result twice. So th- that's the Vikings game, and that's the furthest away from, from, yes, from Thursday's news. The Vikings game is the one of the three, Vikings, Dolphins, and then Steelers a week ago, where the Vikings did more split safety stuff. Um, and that can be cover four, which isn't two. Uh, cover four is uh, three under four deep. So that sometimes you see the safety over the top of, say, uh, Gordon aligned in the number two spot in a seam uh, as a slot or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's not as if that safety is sitting there over the top of that guy because they're running that coverage because they're worried about Josh Gordon. It's because that's their go-to coverage concept. Period. 
And if Gordon runs a vertical route, if he runs up the field, he's going into that safety, not because they're doubling or something, but because that's how that coverage works, and they run that coverage a lot, right? Uh, the other thing is split safety stuff, period. And split safety can be covered two, where you just got two half-field, deep-field players, and then everyone underneath is playing sort of five-man under zone. Uh, you'll, the one thing that was a little bit unique in the Vikings game was that there were a number of times where maybe there's just two receivers on the field, period. Or they had small bunches or a little, you know, maybe there's three receivers and the two receivers at the top of the screen are bunched with Gronk, so there's a little three-man pack there. And then Gronk, and then Gordon's extended away from the formation at the bottom of the screen, which is if you're watching on a monitor, on TV or on your computer or whatever. And in those situations, yes, occasionally. I wouldn't say a lot. It wasn't like a down-in, down-out, but they did enough of it to where it is absolutely notable. Harrison Smith, or the other safety, if he was down the other side, would turn and give additional attention to the only extended receiver from the formation, and that was Gordon. So, yes, in those situations, the, there's an on cornerback over the top of him, covering him as anyone would, and there's an additional guy marking him. And the one thing that did catch my attention there, though, is, oh, is this, you know, because you have to ask the question, are they doing that because it's Josh? And then would they not do that if Josh were not there? Uh, but I found that exact same play with with uh, uh, Philip Dorsett later. Philip Dorsett was in the game as an extended, as an ISO, and got that same extended ISO additional safety attention, which tells me that, oh, they weren't doing it because of Josh. They were doing it against whomever they would isolate away from the formation because they weren't going to allow you to take the formation and just spread one guy and let him get all that space to make a quick inside move. They do the safety down thing to dissuade Tom for throwing back to that ball. So I thought what was learned there is that, A, the Vikings just like stuff that looks too safety high. That's, they run a lot of it. They get two skilled safeties. It's a very good defense. They have a good front to where they don't have to just play single post safety throughout the game. So you are going to see some of that stuff over those guys. Uh, but by and large, it was really difficult to discern, hey, oh, ooh, here's a specialized coverage. These two people post-snap are going to chase Josh Gordon all over the field. There's not much of that. There's a couple times where he runs into a top safety in the corner, continues with him, and it looks sort of doublish. So you can find enough of those. But in uh, sort of putting a cap on that particular idea, the Vikings game would be the most of the three where it's like, maybe. Maybe this is Gordon-related, right? Possibly. Uh, but there wasn't a ton of it. It certainly isn't a wire-to-wire thing. And in saying this and setting this up, I think it's important to also note that Julian Edelman gets a lot of double coverage himself. He just gets doubled by different people because they put him all over the damn formation. You can't just chase him with your top corner. You often chase him with a safety and linebacker or a slot corner and linebacker or an extended – or excuse me, a slot – yeah, slot corner and linebacker or an extended corner – uh, and then a linebacker later. Or, you know, he doesn't usually get the over-safety thing, but Julian gets a lot of... So basically, I'm setting out here to try to find the double coverages on Gordon and was surprised how many more I find them on Julian Edelman. And that was really sort of the big story for me that runs through all three games. Julian gets a lot more coverage attention. He does. And because of the kind of routes he runs and the places he's running to and the fact that he, jab he jabs in and out of routes so quickly, it's good to have help helm on either side of him. Or if he's running deep overs or things are cutting all the way across the field that other backside person the safety or whatever is often spying him because you know he runs through coverages and makes plays and Brady likes to find him I thought that was to me more eye-opening than oh they're not like doubling Josh Gordon every down they're, they're certainly not doing that at all and and the Vikings game was one that, um, I actually don't have it in front of me maybe I shouldn't blurt this out but I, I don't recall if it was more than the Vikings game 
Or more of the Dolphins game. But th- there's been games now, later here, where Gronk's starting to get the coverages you're used to seeing him get. I think it was the Dolphins game where there was a lot more attention on both Gronk and Edelman. And, and really, that you can't double three people. There's not enough math there, uh, with, unless you're brushing no one or whatever. But uh, So that's that, that, I think, was sort of the, the thing that surprised me, that opened my eyes a bit when I went back through it. It's like, okay. You know, I don't. Josh Gordon is being covered often by a very good cornerback, but I don't think fundamentally you change out who's standing in the spot that he stood in the event that you run the identical place. The coverages that these teams have been doing are going to change. Um, so that's that's important there. I, I would go into the Dolphins game and say very little again, but you can find a few clips where Josh gets post-snap doubled. Uh, but oftentimes that rang as me to more situational and more due to the formation than, hey, that's Josh. You know it's, hey, that's Josh, if they do it in different coverages. Uh, regardless of what they're coming out in, there's always going to be that thing. That's sort of the key when you're watching film. If you're finding out if it's person-based or if it's just formation and, and the coverage is brain-based. Uh, um, there was a few of that, a uh, little, very little, but some, enough to where I would say, hey, I don't want to completely dismiss it out of hand in the Dolphins game. Steelers game, couple. Couple that we even arguably that, the bigger story, virtually none. So the Steelers game was a curiosity to me, and I think it's something that the Patriots would have been dealing with had they not, uh, you know, had this whole thing not happened. If Josh Gordon's still on the team, if Josh Gordon, you know, they're going into the Buffalo week this week and they're trying to put together a plan to figure out what they can do better after a bad week. Um, with only putting up 10 points. And part of it was Josh just wasn't thrown too much. He wasn't targeted much. Just the two times, I believe it was, has one catch and they had the drop. And it wasn't, if you go back and sort of the watch those, the many, many routes that he ran in that Steelers game, Josh is not, Josh is not, you know, not, not as a Brady's dropping back, looking at him, at him, not liking how he's covered and turning away. He just didn't look to him much. And, you know, again, maybe it's, I certainly don't have the play calls. I have no idea what it is they're sort of focusing on for the week. But there wasn't a lot of snap look to Josh, don't like what he's on, look elsewhere. There's not much of that there. Nor is there, ooh, I'm trying to press it to him, and damn it, he's just not getting open. It just wasn't a week where they looked there much. And I don't know that. And they may have they may have gone back and reviewed that themselves, thought they still had Josh up, maybe you know, midweek, and said, hey, we're going to rectify that. We get that coverage again, and now against the Bills, we're going to go to Josh. Even with that amount of separations, it's still a good place to send the ball, because he wins closer routes, and you know he can do great things with it once he gets it in his hands. So that's a possibility. But I, the, the Steeler game is probably the, the one of the three where it says, no, no, this is not manipulated, changed coverages because Josh Gordon's out there. You would literally run all those identical things if this this week, the Patriots walked right out with all the same formations, ran all the same plays, and Cordell Patterson or 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 Dorsett or even Chris uh, Hogan stood in the exact same spot. I, I don't think it would fundamentally change anything at all. And obviously, the logical question then from that comes, well, then Bills will see that, and they only see the 10 points, and they'll just run it as well. And similarly, they won't need to put safety help over or double whoever stands where Josh used to stand. And the only problem with that is because, and, you know, and by virtue of doing that, they'll, they'll hold them to 10 points or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious here, but I, I think if you look really hard at, at the Patriot failures in that game offensively, it don't come down to 
coverage choices beating them. They don't come down to what the Steelers did back in that got it done. That wasn't really it. So I don't think Buffalo is going to say, well, it was the coverage choices that put it across the line for Pittsburgh. Let's do that. Let's account for them the same way that team did, and that's going to get it done. The Patriots screwed that game up uh, with all the penalties. I mean, it's just so difficult to judge what an offense would or wouldn't do when you're in second and 17 and second and 15 and third and 14. And, you know, all the over and over and over again where, you know, 100 and whatever it was yards and penalties, there was so much toe stubbing, judging what coverage they run against you when you're in second and 17. It's like, just don't be in second and 17, clearly, right? So it's kind of one of those, man, this is such a crazy outlier. You got, you got like four drives here that are just spoiled from from issues. You know, you get a, you get a holding call and a big, big play. Uh, the Trent Brown one, I think, in the first half. You get a big blow right down the edge on the left side. You got a big play coming here, and the thing rolls back. And it rolls to second and 15. So then the coverage you get in second and 15 and third and longer, and what you're going to see if you just stay ahead of schedule. So a lot of those things are due to the penalties. So And the failures and drive stops due to the penalties. So I, I have a hard time saying... You know, oh, now with Josh not there, you'll get even less than 10. Now it's not that because those Josh, no Josh, wasn't what was causing the success, not success in that particular contest. So we got to look at the last thing here, and that's top guy. And, you know, we joked about the vertical part. We talked about the changing of coverages. I really don't think that's going to be it. Uh, And top guy is really kind of melds a little bit into the last point because at least in the at least in the Steelers game he wasn't top guy so Brady wasn't looking at him and and I think now you might look in the next game and say well damn it he should have right so if, if Josh was available send it his way more and maybe that somehow would rectify some of the the drives that, that didn't extend as much as you'd like him to but Obviously, that option is not not there. So if you're going to talk about progressions and way that Tom goes through it, um, with Josh Gordon now not playing the X or the Z or whatever, one of the extended wide receivers, is Tom going to now sort of have to resequence where his eyes go where he sends balls? And again, I think it's something that doesn't really hold up well on tape because you're going to have a hard time finding times, especially in those last couple, where he looked there first, didn't go there, and went elsewhere. Because if that were the case, it's not as if Tom's going to go in there this week. They're going to have an identical play call, which they won't. But and turn and look to Philip Dorsett, not go there, and then go back into the rest of the sequence. It's just not, you know, it's not fundamentally how it works. It's just it's just much more complicated than that, and maybe doesn't 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 work well for a podcast. Uh, but we, you know, without having the visual component to sort of show you, but anyhow, I, I really that's a, a a pretty easily dismissible point. Josh Gordon's not there. Uh, that won't matter with Brady's progressions. That They're going to have the play calls they want. They're going to try to push things, uh, hopefully, better than they've done in the last couple weeks. I shouldn't say the Dolphins game. They walked the ball up and down the field. They just they just stunk in the red zone uh, and then had the one drive where they, they forgot about how many timeouts they had. And that's really unrelated to this. And and I thought it was oddly, oddly enough in the Dolphins game, too, that was another one where uh, – a couple of the big drives that they finished off, Josh wasn't on the field, and I, I did I didn't recall that either. And that doesn't mean that, hey, it's no no big deal. He's gone now. It, it's a big deal, but I, I think there's anecdotally a ton of evidence in the last few weeks uh, of this offense having ample amount of of so-called weapons with a Z that can score points and, and, and put together productive plays. The issues, uh, if, if sort of your analysis, you're hearing this from someone else, the analysis that the Patriots are now in trouble because they only scored X in this game and now the best player is gone, then it'll now be X minus whatever. No, it's, that's, that is 
absolutely 100% not good football analysis because the issues they're having are not whether or not a particular player was getting open and Tom didn't have that person to throw the ball to. That ain't it. Running game's been flying. Play action off that running game's been flying. And beyond that, they move the ball between and through the hashes with and without Josh Josh Gordon the last few weeks. And the problem has been finishing off drives, and they haven't been not finishing off drives by not pushing the ball to Gordon. He actually hasn't been a big red zone and I think the same problems that are, were, will persist until we see them do differently with or without Josh. It's what they got to solve in these last two weeks as they head into the playoffs. What the Patriots need to solve offensively is red zone approach. And they've shown an absolute capability to get to that red zone with or without Josh. Again, go back and, and check if you like, if you don't trust me. But that isn't it. It ain't it. They're running the shit out of the ball and, and really well if they don't get 28 yarders brought back for holding. Uh, if they don't get false starts and end up series on first and 15s. Um, you know, that it's the behind sequence stuff and then the poor situational stuff that has been your direct line cause and effect for the point totals you're seeing that you're not used to seeing with the Patriots. So, yes, they lose a guy that in a tough spot, you send it to him, he's going to make the tight catch, he's going to get the little extra yards because he's so explosive running through the catch. That's what you've now lost without Josh Josh Gordon there. But here's my case, and again, you don't have to buy this, and you really don't even have to believe me, and it's, it's sort of irrelevant what my particular opinion on this is. It'll flesh itself out, working, not working, or whatever, in the next couple weeks. And then with a bye, presumably, if they take care of business, you'll have a third week. And then really the four four weeks from now where it has to be where you need it to be. So you got three weeks of work, potentially, uh, to figure this thing out. Don't expect Sunday against the Bills to already be there. That's, that's just unrealistic, and it's probably not going to be the case. But one thing, and I put this out on Twitter before I started this, and I thought it was really important to to – to, to make sure that you know these these ideas don't get mixed in someone's head for water cooler talk or arguing with friends and family over Christmas or trying to figure out what's going on with his team. Remember that when Josh Gordon was added into this team for the 11 games that he did play, that that September struggle, the, the thing that I think helped prompt uh, Coach Belichick and the organization or whatever to go out and make the trade for Josh when they were having the fire sale, essentially giving him away for the flip of the 5-7, and seven. Uh, that was due to a month of having no running game. They had no running game, and they had no Julian Edelman. So in the absence of no running game, so you, you can't do the play-action stuff, you, you can't sort of uh, you know set the table to make passing game easier, you just need to have more studs. You just ha- have to have a, a stronger stable, especially when you don't have a sticks guy, a guy that just goes out, shakes people underneath, can run across a formation, sure-handed. Uh, and I'm saying that about Julian Edelman. I know he's had a couple drops in the last couple of weeks, so maybe you roll your eyes about the sure-handedness. I'm saying on average, typically, generally, he's the tough, tight, situational guy to get it there. Julian wasn't there the first month. So when they were making the decision for Josh or not Josh, uh, you were adding that guy in knowing, not knowing what you were getting in a 30-whatever-year-old player in Edelman coming back from an ACL who missed the first four weeks. So that was very, very important to add in there. So I think Jackson, the Jaguars game is one that people will look to and say, oh, they didn't have Gordon. And, uh, yeah, Michelle played in his first pro game. Yeah, he didn't look ready. He didn't look ready. The Sony Michelle that's on the field right now is closer to the one you saw in Chicago. You know, well, in Chicago, he got banged up. Well, let's just go later than that. But he's been a, a rookie that missed all of camp, that looked 
lost in the Jags game and Detroit game that looks like more of a Pro Bowl player midseason, right? Uh, so that's Sony Michelle you have today that wasn't there then, and you had no element. So two elements back in, fundamentally different than was anything in the first uh, month of the year. That's when and why they needed to go out and get Gordon, and it helped. It was a, it was a nice bridge to what got them to through November as the, the offense started to get rolling. They looked good against uh, the Vikings, a good defense, uh, you know, a solid defense kind of crew. It's a two-score win. Everything's great. And then they go and shit the bed twice in a row. Uh, you know, the Dolphins week and then the Steelers week. So you're back to sort of the drawing board. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do. But I don't think there's a warranted panic here in the, in the sort of depth of stable to have. And here's the reasons. Here's what you're going to see, at, 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 in my view, if they hit it out of the park. If they, if they nail what they've got because they've got more than enough. I'll start with, with Philip Dorsett because... I've been an unabashed sort of a pom-pommer for this guy for two years to have a greater role because he's a really good football player. You would be very hard-pressed and have at it. Go, go get the clips thrown back at me if you like on Twitter uh, at Chatham58. And uh, find the clips where Philip Dorsett's in the game not getting open or being thrown to and failing. And, and, and you'll, you'll have a hard time finding it. The one game where he had a, a relatively high rep count um, and uh, there was difficulty getting the ball down the field, that would be the Jacksonville game. But again, it's not a fair analysis to just say, is it that guy? Or is it there was 0.0 running game on that day? <laughs> There's no running game. Then you can't judge whether or not it's the guys getting open or not because of their individual ability. It's more just because the coverage is sagging all over and they don't care about your ability to run the football. Well, now they have the ability to run the football, so the guys that run those routes are going to have more space. And I think one of the best examples of that is go to the first Dolphins game. Philip Dorsett out in space, one-on-one with Xavier Howard, Pro Bowl corner for the Dolphins. Dolphins, really good young player, and Philip Dorsett smokes him, uh, sucks into the formation, yigs this thing back out uh, outside, back to the pylon, catches the flipping diving play. That's a super athletic, one-on-one, pure ISO play uh, against a Pro Bowl player, and he wins it. And again, I, I've made this point over and over and over again the last couple of years, particularly with Philip Dorsett. You will have, you will fail, and you can go ahead and try, but if someone wants to look and you go out and just ISO clips of Philip Dorsett. Watch what he does. He's not getting beat. He's not being covered easily. He just, just a, he's just a car in the garage. He hasn't been driven. When he when he gets opportunities, he snatches the ball as as good as really anyone on this roster right now as far as catching the ball out away from his body, catching it cleanly, and then on the catch getting into his catch and run. He's really good at that. And earlier in the season when I thought his role was going to continue to grow after he had that really nice Dolphins game, um, I, I, you know, I, I basically thought that he was another one in, in the catch-and-run stable, you know, like Julian, the former punt returner, like, uh, well, current as well sometimes, uh, like Corderell Patterson, a catch-and-run guy, like Gordon, you know, on a slant catch-and-run guy. Dorsett really fits that mold. Not as tall, but he is so dangerous if you can get it in his hands. And beyond that, he is a very good downfield route runner. If you're expecting Philip Dorsett to co-catch go routes, though, straight through the seam, as Gordon has done some, or lighting out in fades and catching back shoulders, no, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see that. So that is probably, it's not a limitation. It's just not his body type. He's a 5'10", 5'11", kind of guy, and he's fast as shit. I think he's better at catch and run. He's better at at, at snapping out of a break on an inside interior route or or an outside deep comeback kind of thing and winning that way. Winning in curls, winning in slants. Uh, You can be screened too as well but Dorsett's a good player and he's going to get a bigger opportunity now and I think that's
that's a really good thing for this team. Is he the same player as Gordon? No. But can you win with him? Yes. Proven, it's there. Now, Corderell Patterson uh, is is the next sort of curiosity for me because he's often uh, knocked, and I think unfairly so, as a gimmick. Yeah, he's just this weird guy with the, you know, that is he a back? Is he a receiver? He's just a kick returner that they, they throw some reps to, and he it's just sort of clown show. Although, yeah, he's crazy athletic and always oh, amazing with the ball in his hands, but he can't run around. He can't get open. He's just, they got to be cute with him to get him the ball, but that's not a place where you can rely upon him. Again, go back and this guy has he just gets so few reps. I don't think it's really easy or fair to to judge him that way. Uh, in these last three weeks, and I, I can't particularly find, you know off the top of my head remember which it was, but he had a screen a throwback play to him where he was aligned just as a regular wide receiver. Play action goes one direction. They throw back to him. He gets twenty plus off of it. Nice play there where it's not gimmick. He's not in the backfield. He's aligned as one of the wide receivers, but it's a a, a, a misdirection play action that gets the ball back to him. I believe there was one in the Steelers game, or maybe, maybe it's Dolphins. I'm mixing this up, but aligned as a regular old ISO away from the formation, and he ran a curl, ran a hook real quick, you know, back, and Tom fires back, throws in the ball quickly. Big play. Um, you know, the play that he gets tackled here uh, in the Steelers game that got reversed where whether or not his shin was down, that whole thing. That's just a low crossing route. It's just a regular receiver route. No gimmick there. He's playing wide receiver. He's gotten the ball in a, a situation that really needed it. And other than that little thing of his shin maybe <laughs> grazing a blade of grass, he got it. And, you know, so that's that. I think he's dynamic, and this isn't a matter of opinion. He is dynamic running regular old wide receiver routes, getting him the ball. No, he's not the sharpest, you know, run it to 18, cut it back to 15, triple move wide receiver guy. He's not Julian. Um, he's not Antonio Brown. He's not that guy because he's bigger, he's taller. His route running is not as refined as those guys. And obviously, he's this part of his career is not going to be. But he can play the receiver position. I think that if you, you go into this with the perception that he can't, that he somehow needs a gimmick to get him the ball, well, that's nonsense. Again, in the Dolphins game, you can go to him just aligning, slightly flex from the formation. So now he's a slot player. Just runs straight up on top of the defensive back, stacks him in a minute, catches that fingertip thing, one of Brady's best balls of the year. That's plain wide receiver. That's not a gimmick. That's Cordero Patterson as a wide receiver making a big play. So if the perce- if, if the opinion is, well, he can't play wide receiver, well, then what were those plays? I mean, explain it to me. What were those plays? It's him playing wide receiver. He just doesn't get a lot of opportunities in it. So now with Gordon gone, I think he gets more. And don't be surprised. Just don't be surprised if he continues to exceed and grow as a receiver. Because he can do it. It's just the guy's on like a 10-rep limit in these games. He's barely getting out there. And when they do bring him in, they often go to him. And he often makes plays. So if you want to deduce from that that it's not enough, okay. I mean, that's you're fair to have that opinion. But... I haven't seen, and I know that there is no evidence out there of this guy aligning 45 times as a wide receiver, running 45 wide receiver routes and failing at it. It it doesn't exist. So I don't want to presume that he can't because we've not seen him fail at that. In the small sample size he gets, he helps. He's a big-time addition to this offense. So, you know, are they going to be willing to go say, hey, you know, Correll, go play traditional receiver for 60 reps a game for these next two regular season games and then in the playoff game? Let's see how it goes. No, maybe not. But if we're going from an 8 to 12 kind of rep guy to a 25 now, maybe 30, and you, you target him three or four times as a traditional receiver in addition to a few back plays, 
displays or a screen or something, I think that's more realistic. I think that would be a, a huge addition uh, to the offense where they're more comfortable with more of the traditional receiver stuff, targeting him a handful of that ways, and having him out on the field enough times to where he can go block downfield because he's big and physical that way too. He's, as we mentioned earlier, running through this thing. He's the guy that can downfield block closer to what Gordon did. So I think it'll be fun to watch. I think his in, 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 in sort of, uh, I don't know what would the word be, his uh, increased involvement, his in, increased involvement both in the air quote gimmick stuff in and out of the, the, in and out of the backfield, but also just as a receiver that, that motions across formations, uh, that maybe gets carries, but then also gets quick slants and gets curls and runs downfield seam routes. He can do it. He's done it. It's, we're past the point of being surprised by that. Otherwise, you just, you just haven't been paying attention. So moving on to the final guy, and that's, that's Chris Hogan. And, and Chris, I love that, uh, the tweet by Marquise Flowers, a free agent right now, you know, obviously a linebacker that was on this roster a year ago and then is, is out there now, and uh, uh, he's you know just on social media. He's he's not affiliated with the team anymore, but he obviously still has love for the place. I love his tweet. That's like, okay, if you're out there, I'm paraphrasing. I probably should just read the thing verbatim, but he's like, if you're out there tripping or you're out there being crazy about what the Patriots are going to do or panicking that there's not going to be enough offense. Have y'all paid attention to Chris Hogan? Like Chris is, is probably one of the least appreciated understood guys on the Patriots roster. And, and in part, because I think people recall a couple years ago or what the Patriots offense was doing, you know, even in re- earlier times of this year or uh, of recent years where there would be four and five wide receivers on the field, because when there's four, three or even four wide receivers out there, well, yeah, you, th- that third receiver is going to get more balls or even when he's the fourth receiver, say behind Edelman or Amendola in years before that. Uh, but they don't run as much of that stuff now. And that's not to a detriment to him. It's because they put their fullback back in the game. They played much more two-back stuff. Earlier, before Allen got hurt, they were playing a lot of two-tight-end stuff. And what does that mean? That means there's no longer three receivers on the field. And, And in the instance that he was, that's not where the offense was going, to that third receiver. This has become an offense that's more about its backs, that still sends the ball to this tight end, and they're probably not going to get to that third wide receiver read. Does... So now what I believe you're going to see is you're going to see in the absence of Gordon, you're not going to, you know, so you don't lose a top receiver and then start running four receiver sets. That doesn't make sense to me. I think you lose the receiver and you stay tight where it's going to be a lot of just two receivers on the field. So maybe that'll be Hogan and, and Hogan and Edelman. Maybe that'll be Patterson and Edelman. Maybe that'll be Dorsett and Edelman. Uh, I don't think you're going to now see a sort of dearth of multi-receiver sets because you lost a top guy. So Hogan is just going to get looked to more, in my view. And the times that he's in, there's going to be times to send it back to him because, you know, he's going to be maybe a further part up in the progression. Maybe he'll just simply, you know, Tom will make efforts to get him the ball more now. He knows he has to look to him because it's he's not down the list as far. He's still the same guy. He's still able to run the routes. He runs the concepts really well. He gets himself open. And that was sort of what Flowers' joke was. He's like, he's right now, you know, Julia, uh, Hogan's somewhere in Foxborough wide open. He's not a guy who wasn't getting open. He was a guy who was not being targeted or wasn't playing as much. Now he's back. And don't be surprised if, oh, shit. Chris Hogan had four catches for 50 yards a day and had a touchdown. Oh, where was that? Well, it wasn't being run. It wasn't being thrown to. So uh, the guy's still the same guy. He's a very good complimentary guy. He's never going to be the first receiver. We get that. But that's not a knock. He's a he's an awesome complimentary receiver. He's going to be anyone's third in the league, and he's going to be productive for you. And I think you may see the ball turn to him more, and that's a good thing. So there's your list. Your Dorsett, your Patterson, and Hogan, each with roles that may – 
toggle a bit, may rise a little bit. And uh, personally, I'm most excited to see more Dorsett. I think he's a guy that you can turn to, and you shouldn't be surprised if it goes well, especially when you've seen him early this season beating up on Pro Bowl players. So beyond all the who's going to, what's going to with the wide receivers, Remember, James White, his last month has been milder than what it was before. James White, earlier in the season, when they were having the who's our receiver stuff, extended him quite a bit. So is it a possibility you see Sony Michelle aligned in the backfield as a true back behind Brady, maybe even the fullback there, and James extended from the formation as an actual real-deal true receiver? That's a possibility as well. We saw that early in the year. They've moved away from it now. But in a week where Josh McDaniels is talking about getting the ball more to James, you got to get the ball more to James. He's one of our best mismatches on the entire roster, regardless of who's here or what's going on. And when they're making that kind of commentary and they were doing it previ- prior to the, the, the Gordon news, believe them. Don't, don't disbelieve that part. They're going to get it to him. It may not be as a back. It may not just be angle routes, angle routes and, and screenplays. It might be option stuff as an extended wide receiver. It might be ISO stuff with him now. So I think more James, any one of those other three guys' uh, uh, roles rising, and you got a lot of offense, especially now, because they've got a running game. And the only way they don't have a running game is as they unseat themselves with penalties. So those will really be the things to look to down the, down the stretch. Can they maintain their run game, uh, which is such a big deal? And and can they can they continue to be or go back to be? I'll say it that way. I think it's more accurate. Go back to being a more creative passing offense that sends it around a lot of people because the offense the options are a plenty. There's tons of offense there. Julian to Gronk to any of the other three complimentary guys in a two back thing with either Michelle or White or Burkhead. There's a lot of offense there, folks. That's the idea that they're somehow hard up now for for skilled enough people to get the ball to. That's some bullshit. That's just poor football analysis. We'll see where it goes and to what level. But And this may feel a little bit like a restart. It may feel a little bit like, okay, what are we going to now do? And what can we build it towards in basically four weeks' time? So I'm actually I'm hedging here a little bit and saying that I'm not sure Buffalo is going to come out flying, uh, but where they're at a week from then, and then what they're really doing four weeks from now, that's the most important part. And I say all this to simply set the table and say, if you have a concern about what your team that you cheer for, the Patriots, are going to be down the stretch, I don't really think the concern should be with the offense. It's the other side of the ball. That's where a more reasonable concern lies. Not for the back end. The defense of the Patriots is 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 back built. It's they're very good at they've got really nice cornerback depth. Gilmore's had a great season. Jason McCourty's been a really co- good complimentary too. And JC Jackson is all is this sort of found gold thing that now gives him the flexibility to not have Jason necessarily take the two. He can pop inside. He can be the guy with extra help. They've got flexibility with their three corner situation. Jonathan Jones is still a good slot corner, does an admirable job, and and you're very good at the safety spots. I mean, that's just depth. That's where their veteran presences are on the back end. This is a back-end built team. Their their secondary is their strongest suit, and I think that showed up in the way that they handled the the Pittsburgh Steelers' uh, willingness to go five wide. And I'll simply make that as sort of a going-away point. That willingness to go five wide helped the Patriots. It played into the Patriots' hand. It, hands. It really helped it keep that to that 17 number. They're throwing picks, two Roethlisberger picks in that game, not because they were handing the ball off, clearly. So what, one thing that I think that if you're a Bills, uh, Bills fan, or, if you're, or, or even a Patriots fan watching the Bills, they have to go back and watch that film and say, well, we ain't going five wide. And that is the major un- unknown here. The Patriots run defense 
has been a mess lately. It really has. And it, it's, it's, it's one of those getting challenged in the locker room, getting challenged in practice, trying to find the right combination of a seven-man defensive run front and finding the dudes that can stop the run. And maybe in my view, I, I actually I was thinking about this a lot this, this week or earlier in the week when it was just reviewing the Steelers thing. Because their secondary is so is is the strong suit, I think of this defense. I want to. I'm I'm curious to see what it would look like with Danny Shelton back active, actually playing the nose. So they have a real nose on the team, and play three four, play good old three four. You've got the personnel to play three four, and you can really stop the run from that. If you you're so insistent on using nickel personnel, well, the down safety can be one of the outside linebackers, I guess, or he can be the will linebacker. But from a three four alignment, why do I like that? Because Lawrence Guy is a really good three four end. He's not a sub defensive tackle he's not a sub guy that's just that's not his strength and since I think now they're really in a situation where they don't want to be in a lot of these sub fronts and a lot of this nickel stuff trying to stop run stuff it's just not where the strength lies with his team Malcolm Brown's not a nose uh, he he can slide out into a gap and be a nice gap player but I really think that if, if I'm interested as I think a lot of fans are to see where they go with the the run fronts they choose, and with the flexibility that behind the behind them with the coverages, it, it's less of the concern. Uh, I'd like to see Danny Shelton. Now I'm saying all that, and I know it's a little bit unfair to say that because if he's not practicing well, the team's got more information clearly than I do. If they don't like what they're seeing there, then you know he's he's, he's earned himself off it. But if he works himself back on. You got a guy that can play the nose game. You got a guy that is big enough and heavy enough and physical and long enough to keep centers off him and take on double teams. That guy just hasn't been there as long as they've not been using Danny. They've gone to this other subfront stuff, tried to use Malcolm Brown as a nose. He just doesn't he's not a nose. He's not long. He doesn't he doesn't two gap and throw people and make plays at the line of scrimmage. It's just not his game. So answering to that side, figuring out if they can get into a more traditional run stop first, we'll worry about the coverage from top down later. That's the approach that has worked here for so long, and uh, I think it's better than what's going on now. So I'm just curious to see how they, they try to resolve this the last two weeks. But I spent a, the, the vast majority of the show talking about how offense may or may not work itself out, and I really don't think that's the what should be anyone's real major sticking point going forward. Whether or not this Patriots team takes this season where – you know, fans of the team obviously hope that it goes deep, a playoff run, maybe a Super Bowl. Who knows? You just, that's just looking too far ahead. But gets back to playing the kind of ball you want to play. It's really being able to stop the run. And the Bills are going to look at that and they're going to run the ball every single time if they try to, you know, if, if, if the opportunity presents itself. I don't think they're going five wides. That would be conceding a point that's a weakness. You know, I, I highly doubt them, and even more so the next week, the Jets are simply going to concede the run game to a group that's showing they're struggling to stop it. So think about that stuff. Watch that stuff. Don't worry about what does or doesn't happen with Josh Gordon now not here. It was a really nice addition to have him on the team. Uh, I think, you know, from a personal level, from talking to some of the guys, not actually this week, is more conversations from previous weeks. They really like him. It was authentic. It was real. They actually liked the dude. He was a really good teammate. And he was nothing like a lot of the people assumed he was. But this little uh, life bomb went off for him, and he wasn't able to keep it under control, and he's gone now. Uh, but I think functionally, with the football part of it, it, it doesn't work much differently than if someone had simply got injured and was no longer available. That's it. They're praying for him. They love him. Uh, but he's no longer a part of the football team. And uh, from a football standpoint, 
it's 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 simply like making a redirect, a change when you lose a a player to injury, and you kind of expect that things like that will happen down the down the down the uh, down the home stretch. So thinking of the things and positions that could have got hurt and that would be removed from the offense that would change things more fun- fundamentally, wide receiver wouldn't be it. It would not be it on this particular team. To me, that's just not accurate analysis of what's going on with them. So um, we'll see how this thing shakes out, but I don't think the Gordon thing is is a front-burner issue. I think they're more than more than deep enough and more than diverse enough, and now with the running game not dependent enough on it going through him. And we've seen that uh, in recent weeks. Get Stop with the penalties. Be a better red zone team and play run defense. That's the things that matter. I'm Matt Chatham. That was the Real Thing Patriots podcast. We'll talk at you again on the other side after this Bills game and see where this team is now. I'm at Chatham58 on Twitter. This is the Real Thing Patriots podcast. You can subscribe to this thing on iTunes or you can subscribe to it on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, That's a way to get at us. But thank you again for uh, your continued listenership. Merry Christmas to you all and happy holidays to you that don't don't celebrate that particular one. But... uh, I'm uh, it's a happy time of season for me. I'm a Christian and uh, I love it. And uh, family's around and it's uh, I love Christmas. We all should love Christmas. Merry Christmas to everyone. And again, to you that don't celebrate it, still have a happy and safe holiday. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. <laughs>